You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Back at it again, another week on the podcast. My name's Chika Eloy. This is Jay Teresi. Say hi, Jay. Hey, hey. We are back at it again. Part two this week, we are continuing our conversation around the idea of manhood and anger. Anger. Jay, can you give us a quick recap on part one? Yeah, I thought we had a great discussion around, hey, there's a lot of anger in the world right now. Anger is something that American men are definitely dealing with. And if you follow a lot of different ministries, you can see that anger is a huge, huge issue in the church and with men, both secular men and Christian men. And and we talked a little bit about what some of the root causes of anger are. You know, anger is a wound. There is a wound in there that hasn't been dealt with, that the Lord hasn't had a chance to unpack with you, that you haven't invited in. And those wounds get triggered and those lead to explosive outbursts of anger or simmering low boil anger where we, you know, ignore our spouse or we take it out on our kids or we're a tyrant at work or we're just we just withdraw. And uh, then that leads into other bad things, right? Like maybe we withdraw into pornography or into some other sin, gambling, drinking, drugs, whatever. That anger is a root of all kinds of issues. Underneath anger is some unresolved wound. And we talked a little bit about when we're there, we're kind of stuck in our sanctification walk, right? Our, Our walk becoming a deeper, richer Christian man, who has more to offer the world. And so I thought it was a really great discussion. And I think today, Chica, I think we're going to look at a little bit of scripture, right, around anger, because the Bible has so much to say about anger. So let me pray us in, Jay, and uh, and we'll get going into today's discussion. Lord Jesus, I ask that you cover this podcast as we walk into your word. Um, Romans tells us that if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Lord, I ask that you give Jay and I the encouragement. You give the men that are listening the encouragement as well to maybe pull down a few guards that may be up uh, and maybe just absorb some things that you say, Lord, is true through your word. And we say all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we did do some research between weeks, Jay, and and this is a different type of format. We've never actually tried this on in all of our six episodes. <laughs> so uh, what I'm going to do here, I went through Proverbs last night, and I'm going to throw these at you blind listeners. Jay has not seen these particular verses, I don't believe. Um, and so I'm going to throw you a couple of Proverbs, and I'd love to break that down in the context of anger and therefore how we should, as biblical men, manage that anger. So Jay, here's number one. Proverbs 15, 8 says that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Oh, that's a good one. I was just thinking about that example I used in last week's episode. I was talking about the way I responded to my wife and just listening to that proverb. I'm like, she said something that triggered me, not her fault. Had I responded differently, the entire context of that conversation would have been different. And rather than shutting my wife down and then driving her into some of her wounds and triggers, you know, we would have had this really fruitful discussion. So, you know, if my first reaction had been thinking of the fruits of the spirit, patience, Mm. and then gentleness in my response, which is not unmanly in any way, right? I I don't feel unmanliness in that, Chica. If I had practiced that proverb, um, I would have had a much better morning (laughs) than I did as a result of that when, when we went through that. 
Well, I know that I'm curious. I'm sure our listeners are too. We talked about how you went to dinner that same night. What did she hold on to anything that evening? You are our our day went much better. And so the fact that we were able to unpack it was healthy and that's good. But you know, one of the things that I reflect on is some damage was done though. Mm. And anytime we hurt each other, damage is done and, and it can be recouped as the grace of God and the power of forgiveness. But practicing the proverb would have been much better. <laughs> Jay, I've got another one for you. Proverbs 29, 22 says, a man of wrath, a man of wrath stirs up strife. A uh, man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Let's have a look at those words. Let's look at the first part, Jay. A man of wrath stirs up strife. Wow. So I was just thinking, you know, what what is my, we used to say in the business world, you know, what's your body count look mm. like behind you? Like if, you know, bad leaders have a high body count behind them. Um, you know, what is my words kind of body count does my words leave? I was thinking about what you just said. You know, if you try to, if you're a man who reacts with anger or uses a lot of sarcasm and you try not to do that for three days, one, that's going to be challenging. Two, the people in your life might not trust it, but after a couple of days, it's really going to change. Like you won't be a man of wrath anymore when you're sarcastic mm. or when you're silent and withdrawn. I think you're being wrathful. Even, you know, we might equate wrath with anger and outbursts, but Boy, there's a lot of ways to to be angry and be wrathful that don't necessarily always involve loud words. And one given to anger causes much transgression. So let's talk about the difference between transgression and strife. Transgression, like the breaking apart and the separating. I can see that. And that's um, one of the, boy, the Proverbs are so powerful. And just listening to them cold, it's just stirring a lot in my heart. Like, man, how many times have I caused transgression? at work or in my own marriage or with my children because of my wrathful and angry response. I'm thinking mm. about my kids and, you know, my kids are quick to forgive and I'm quick to seek forgiveness when, when I overreact, but, oh, you know, when you think about, but transgressions have happened and those require healing then. And so how much damage have I done that, you know, will have to be unpacked later in life. Boy, that is a powerful concept. You know, the, the Proverbs are not guarantees. And I think that's important for people that study the Bible. They're not promises in the, the sense of 100% guarantees, but they're wisdom. It's wisdom literature. And if you just think about 3,000 years ago, we think we're so sophisticated, Chico, so sophisticated <laughs> these days. 3,000 years ago, they knew this and they were they were teaching each other this. Isn't that amazing? And it's been passed. How, how it got to us is still mind-boggling for me as well. Um, I thought of th this week we had an experience, the turmoil over in Afghanistan, right? And so at the dinner table, I asked my daughters, mm. if you had a backpack and we had to go now for whatever reason, hurricane, chemical warfare, I said, what would you put in the backpack? And it was interesting to hear what they said because – when they said what they said, my first reaction was, where did you learn that from? And it comes back to this breaking apart the transgression. And then I started questioning myself, have I ever pointed at you or have I ever said something to you that caused you to say you needed to grab that first? And I just think that when the responsibility of a parent to their child, the responsibility of a leader to their people is so important. And so they look to you in across all the different filters, right? So even if you are angry and you get this from your your leadership experience, Jay, you are not allowed to show your anger because as soon as you anger, what happens? You give one, permission for other people to anger, but two, also 
potentially permission for them to reflect the way you behave because they're following you. With all of that said, that, that, that came up for me as you were speaking then through the idea of strife and transgression because our actions can totally cause much transgression amongst our followers. One of the things my wife said to me last week when we had that argument was, would you ever react that way at work? And I was like, of course not. I'm the leader there. I'm setting the example. I cast wow. a big shadow. But but there are people there that do explode at work in meetings. And I, mm-hmm. I we all know who they are. And, um, you know, of course I don't. I have a senior role. So I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. But it's just interesting you said that and how we can compartmentalize our lives. You've also got me wondering what my kids would put in the bag. Yeah, now I'm like, what yeah, would yeah. I put in the bag? My youngest so. <laughs> said two pairs of undies if I could find them. And I couldn't stop laughing. I could not stop laughing. That was number three <laughs> or four on her list, though. Um, the, of course, the, the technology was the first thing. Well, we've got to stay connected. And I'm like, whoever led you there? And then, of course, the third thing when they caught on was the Bible. You know, I was like, oh, good girl. All right. Well, way to say that to daddy. Anyway, here's, here's the next proverb at you, Jay. Um, Proverbs 16.32, as I've got thunder over above me right now. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So what that proverb is really saying, at least what I hear it saying is, if you have control, if you have self-control, that is better than even if you have accomplished so much in the world, but you have no control of yourself. And it's got me thinking about our politicians. And some of the times the way they respond, you know, but, but that is quite a concept to say a mature level of self-control is better than any degree of success you can achieve in the world. If you do it without being able to live out essentially the fruits of the spirit. And that, that is so anti what our culture teaches, Chica, our culture teaches, you know, he who has the most toys, he who has the most women, if you're a man, whatever is winning almost as a matter of he's a total jerk, he's winning. Winning, winning. It's all about winning. And the Bible says you're winning when you can exercise the fruits of the spirit, even if you're poor and have nothing. Side note for our listeners that caught it too, when in the first proverb, Jay said body count, you know, the body count in today's culture is referred to as those that I've slept with. You know, all these college girls getting out and saying, my body count is five times a hundred. And that is glorified. Like you said, I just took the city whereby, you know, the rest of it's about ruling my spirit. All right, Jay, let's keep moving here. Jump to Proverbs 19.11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Oh, that's also not celebrated in our culture, overlooking an offense. So powerful. Man, These, I, you know, it's so good to spend some time in Proverbs, Chica. Like, I'm like, I need to go back and spend some time in Proverbs daily again for a while. Wow. I mean... So first of all, I, I just keep asking myself, how much do I still have to grow? You know, it, slow to anger, slow to anger, slow to anger. Man, you keep saying it about a lot of different ways. That's the mark of maturity, not the fruit of your life materially, but the fruit of your life emotionally and spiritually. That's the mark of somebody winning. And I keep thinking how anti our culture, all those concepts are like we view overlooking an offense as a weakness, but it's such a powerful thing and jesus was amazing at it like when when he meets with the guy and he's having dinner with him and the woman comes in and dumps the Mm -hmm. perfume on his feet that man that man didn't do some things that were pretty offensive to jesus he didn't offer him water for his feet he didn't anoint his head with oil but jesus overlooked all those things to sit and have dinner with him and didn't even point them out until the man was basically asking him questions and so you just go how amazing was Jesus that he modeled these things Proverbs is talking about. He was slow to anger. He overlooked offenses against him. He taught his followers to do the same thing. 
it's just very different than than what we see from leadership in our world. Let us go OT for a second, Jay, because I think of the God of wrath, right? We, we see in our culture, at least, Jesus is painted a lot as the, the kind and loving Jesus. But God is very wrathful. God is a good judge. I think back to Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel. You know, that there is anger straight up, right? Cain is just so annoyed that his brother was taken. So, uh, sorry, that was chosen ahead of him. So he takes he's taking his brother out. I think of Moses and the Israelites and how Moses got angry again there too. Maybe lean in for a second. Go Old Testament on me, Jay. Talk to me about God's wrath. Noah, Noah and the flood. Sorry, yeah. I forgot that one. When I really read the Old Testament, everything you find in the gospel is there. When Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. It's For me, it's less about that God is wrathful and more about that God is just and he executes judgment in alignment with his character and what he has said. And he always gives people chances. He always gives mercy and grace. But nowhere in the Bible are you not promised consequences for your acts. And so if you think about what does God deliver those punishments for, they're at the tail end of major, major sin. After God has attempted to rescue his people, after he's given statutes on how to live, after he said, do this, not that, there's a way things work in my universe, there's a way I've designed things, and I must be true to myself. I, the Lord your God, must be true to myself, and in that is justice, and we call it wrath. But the reality is God is just walking out his character. It's honest, it's integrous, and it's not unexpected. And I think that's, you know, that's an interesting concept because that's not what they're saying in Proverbs. Like God does not just react right. like, oh, you made, you made me so mad, I'm flooding the world. Like, that's not, that's not what he does. It's not even how he takes out Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, you, and, and God even allows himself, you know, to be swayed through the power of prayer and the power of people coming back to him where he, he, will, he will defer his judgment, he will defer his wrath. But at some point, God executes on, on his character. And, and so I just, uh, I've never really in, in the last 10 years or so after I've done the reading, bought into this concept of, oh, this Old Testament God is very angry, but Jesus is this very friendly New Testament God. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. And Jesus executes the same way that he, he did in the Old Testament that his father does. So I, I don't see any space between the God of the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament. And I think Jesus is very clear. He talks more about right. hell than anybody. He talks more about judgment. And so, and he promises, like, I'm coming to judge the world. Jesus says those things. Like, where do we get our picture of the end of the world? Mm -hmm. From Jesus, who says, it's all going to come apart, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be riding a white horse, and a sword's going to be coming out of my mouth. My cloak is going to be dipped in blood. That's Jesus Christ saying those things about himself, by the way. Not, and Jesus is the Lamb of God. He does say, let the children come to me. He is awesome, and he is peaceful. And he rides a white horse and is going to set things right. It's the same guy. It's the full character of God. So that was a long answer, Chica. I love the question. And, and I think we just see God's character in Proverbs when he says, this is who I am. This is who I expect my followers to be. But we are also expected to hold sin to account. You know, you know the, in, in, your, um, in your response before, and I know that we're coming up here on time for this week. By the way, I've got massive God wrath of thunder behind me right now if you can't hear it, your, <laughs> yeah, your side of the i do too 
I'm sorry, apologies, listeners. But real quick, I promised this last week, I do want to dig in just for a high level look at the brain and what happens when we get angry. So listeners, if you're driving, just lift one hand off you off the wheel right now and put it on your forehead. That's the frontal lobe. That's the cortex right there. Okay. And if you put that same hand behind your right ear, right there about the size of an almond is a part of your brain called the amygdala, which is your fear control sensor, fight or flight. And that is where anger is stored, right? When your senses pick up that something's coming, you either stand, you either flee, or you stand there and you and you want to punch it in the face. And so the punching in the face is when the chemicals overtake that frontal lobe of sense-making, that cortex piece. It, it sits there and it can sit there, from what I understand, for up to 45 minutes. So when we get angry, there is that fog, that hijack of no longer being able to make sense of our actions. And that's why men, if you've ever ragely screamed at the curtain or into a pillow, because you're just so mad, or if you've done it to a person, that's the amygdala taking over. And so what we're asking here, and what we're biblical, biblically called to do is to break out of that fog like that. And Jay, you've been such a model for me over the last five to 10 years of that. I'm like, this guy never gets angry. I'd never see this guy fired up because Jay has been working on himself to be slow to anger. And the hot power of the Holy Spirit, Chica, promises that. The power of the Holy Spirit, if you ask God, he will help you with that. That is the key of growth in the Christian life, letting the Spirit come in. And when you begin to get angry, if you're a man who has a pattern of anger, however it manifests by isolation or by explosion, if you ask Jesus, Jesus, I don't want this. I want what Chica was just laying out in Proverbs. I want to learn to be slow to anger. God will respond. He will move on you. In the beginning, you may explode. He's going to convict you faster. But over time, He's going to alter your character to where somebody else say something and it used to trigger you, but I'm not triggered because I'm healed in this area of my life. And I think, Jay, to, to put the icing or the cherry on top there, Colossians 3.8 is where we leave our listeners. We say this week, spend some time in Colossians. Colossians 3.8, I believe it was, uh, put, put them all away. Put them all away. All the different types of anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk out of your mouth. Put it all away. And spending time in there and reflecting on just that verse, listeners, how can you put away the anger this week? And maybe we've got to come back again, Jay, I don't know, to talk or at least mention the stuffing down. We're not talking about stuffing it down, right, so that it then explodes or the grenades come out because then then your, your limbic system's taking over and the reason's gone. Anger is a beautiful opportunity. It's a beautiful opportunity. So as we close this out, Chica's exactly right. We want to get on top of the limbic system. We do not want to be reactionary in that way. We want to exercise self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So when we get angry, that is a wonderful opportunity to say, Jesus, what is that? Help me understand. Let me just take a minute and step back with you, God. Grab the Bible, grab a journal, grab a pen, and just sit there. Biblical manhood is about excavating all of the arrows we've taken, all of the wounds, bringing healing to them, and then growing in the fruits of the Spirit so we can be the kind of men who when we are offended, we can overlook it. And then we can help the other person to see what had happened. So let me just pray us out. Lord, thank you for this discussion. Thank you for your word being preserved that helps us understand. Jesus, thank you for your example of manhood, of real, biblical, authentic manhood. May we embrace it. May we follow it. May we grow to be more like you every single day. Chica, until next time. Peace out.